Okay, so I am so glad that we are doing this, and and thank you guys for being so patient with me um, through this Garnet ordeal. Um, but I'm really excited, and today we are going to talk about something extremely, extremely important, which is mental health and its impact on relationships. Something that both of you have talked about extensively. So before we delve in, can you both introduce yourselves and just give us a backstory as to who you are? So I'm Shelly Sood, an entrepreneur, author, as well as mental health advocate and mother of three as well. So, you know, Nikhil and I, my husband here, we're, we're married for 20 years and he was suffering from undiagnosed bipolar disorder for nearly two decades. Mm -hmm. So I eventually helped save his life. You know, he had uh, quite a journey to his healing and his whole process. I've been doing some research on both of you and it seems like there, there's so much to unpack, right? And I'm just trying to think, where do we start? But Shelly, what I have noticed is that both of you have had different journeys when it comes to dealing with Nikhil's um, bipolar disorder. You've had your own journey. He's had his own. And then add immigrant identity, pressures of being, you know, this alpha male, career, kids, um, all of that in the mix. And it's a recipe for disaster, right? Exactly. But I want to focus on healing. How has the healing been for both of you um, so far? And what have you learned through this process? First of all, uh, Shadia, thanks so much for having us. And I uh, really appreciate you braving the elements, as they say, to make this happen. So we're really excited uh, for, for this discussion. So uh, to, to add to what Shelly was saying, um, so yeah, I have been suffering from uh, undiagnosed uh, bipolar disorder for about uh, two decades. Um, I recently got my diagnosis about uh, five years ago. and you know, I've learned firsthand what the difficulties are with stigma of mental health within mm -hmm. uh, the South Asian community, just because right. as you note, noted before about uh, the need to achieve, the need to live up to that uh, immigrant ideal uh, was really challenging. But fortunately with Shelly's help and uh, some work that I've done, uh, I was able to, to overcome that. Um, I think it really, for me, it starts with uh, humility and awareness uh, mm -hmm. because that was something that was not, uh, it was not in my wheelhouse, as they say, for so many years because, you know, I had gone to a, a top business school. I had worked at uh, a lot of the top uh, consulting firms, some of the top banks, and uh, it really just wasn't in my vocabulary. It was just mm -hmm. about uh, the whole grin and bear it, take the stoic approach and, uh, the merits of grit and positive attitude. Um, so it really took a real bottoming out uh, for me to, to wake up and, um, as Shelly says, uh, smell the cappuccino uh, and realize that, you know, I, I really needed some help. Um, I think for me, it was, um, you know, I, I oftentimes with mental health, I think about in corporate America, how they have those trust exercises, you know, mm -hmm. where uh, there's a group of people and you sort of fall back. Uh, that's really what was the springboard for my uh, recovery was uh, trusting in Shelly and trusting in, uh, in her family and realizing that they really saw the real me and saw beyond just some of the behaviors that I was exhibiting, um, you know, saw that I was a caring father, a caring husband, um, you know, someone who had a really good sense of humor and, uh, you know, just just had a, a good heart, you know? Mm. Um, so that's really important. It, it, part of healing is to 
um, have somebody in your corner. And I, I'm very fortunate and blessed to have that. Um, you know, and I, I really encourage people who, um, you know, whether it's friend or family, uh, mm -hmm. to really seek out that person who, who really knows the real you. Um, and we can, and Shelly can add to this also, but um, I think you have to have a very uh, well-rounded approach and mm -hmm. it can't rely on uh, one specific tool over the other. Um, so for me, obviously medication was the start of that. Right. Um, cognitive behavioral therapy, obviously, you know, talking to a good therapist, not just one who tells you what you want to hear mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, just um, ignores kind of what's hiding in plain sight. Uh, more recently, what's entered into that equation uh, is going beyond uh, those uh, sort of the table stakes, as they say, um, and that would involve like meditation and mindfulness. And that's something Shelley and I have really actively embraced because um, there's so many different, uh, you know, gurus, I guess you could say out there. Uh, but the one that's really resonated with us has been uh, Deepak Chopra. Uh, you know, we went to one of his retreats. Uh, we listened to his meditations. And um, I think one of the key teachings that I've taken away from that is, you know, the body is, it's not a noun, it's a verb. And, and I say right. that because there's so many processes going on in our mind. Absolutely. And, you know, there's so many people who get a diagnosis, you know, whether it's, um, you know, multiple sclerosis or it's something like arthritis. Mm -hmm. And they sort of accept that as fait accompli. And they, they don't realize that obviously there's a biological underpinning to it. But if you think about this in a holistic approach and you think about how much control you really have, uh, you know, I think that can really win the day. And so, um, Shelly, if you want to add to that. One of my healing processes, as he indicated, was meditation through this whole journey. And it really helped me because, you know, as Deepak Chopra puts it, a create a chaotic mind, no matter what the mm -hmm. thought is, whether it's positive or negative, is still a chaotic mind. So mm -hmm. really quieting that mind was very key to my own personal healing journey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it helped us rebuild our marriage and find a better place within ourselves to mm -hmm. have a fulfilling life, have a happy, a good career, a happy family life, mm -hmm. raise our children effectively. You know, the, the other thing that really drove me is, you know, I stopped caring about what other people think. And yes. I think mm -hmm. that is one of the biggest downfalls, whether it is South Asian culture, whether it is, you know, Americans in this country, no matter what, they're always driven. Their emotions are driven a lot mm -hmm. of times by other people. You know, so, I was going to ask you this, Shelley, because in, in this day and age of social media, when social media sets up such unrealistic expectations about relationships, about marriage. You see these, you know, picture perfect, um, you know, images of people vacationing and having good time. Mm -hmm. Nobody talks about the dark secrets, weaknesses, anxieties, fears um, that yeah. come along. And both of you have been so brave in, you know, just tackling that head on and having conversations how hard was it to you know break through that and say you know what we are going to share our story and we don't care as you said what others think it was very hard it was an evolution it was a journey for me because i had made so many mistakes in the past like as you know south asians were a very collective culture yeah right 
we're not individualistic. We're mm -hmm. looking out for our family. Any success that I had or that Nikhil had was a success for me as well. So mm -hmm. any failure that he exhibited was a failure for me as well. So my problem was I was so driven by my ego. And I lived in this world of denial because that's just what you do and that's how you keep the family unit strong. And you know, that tends to like suppress his emotions. So he wasn't able to express really what was going on with him. And then one fine day just blew. Everything just blew out of the water. You know, it's interesting because I was listening to your podcast interview and you mentioned that you were in denial. You just said that right now as well. And what surprised me was that I'm sure Nikhil was exhibiting certain um, behave, behavior, right? Certain traits. Um, and I'm sure it must have been confusing for you at the time as to what was happening and why he was going through these highs and lows. And when he came to you and he said, look, this is what I'm suffering from. In my mind, I was thinking that could have been like, you know, this is what it is. Now we've, you know, nailed it. We know, but you were hesitant. Like there was some reticence to even accept that. And you, mm -hmm. you know, tied that to, you know, being a reflection on who you are and taking it as your failure. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So incredible. Yeah. So can you talk so, a little bit about that? That was the biggest mistake of my life. Yeah. And, you know, when he had decided to file for divorce, divorce and everything, and our family was in such turmoil, at that moment in time when this happened, I looked back and I thought about, well, why didn't I accept it? Why did not, why was I so busy with the children, with my job, with whatever outside distractions that I was not looking within our own family unit? And I think that is a big problem because people really don't step back sit down and think about what's going on in their family dynamic. You know, there's tremendous amount of judgment. Has your approach, both your approach, and I want to pose this question for, to both of you, towards your kids changed because of the, the process or the trauma that you've gone through? Are you more aware yeah. and mindful of, you know, your kids' behavior? And if they have any questions and if they have any fears, are you more attentive to that now versus say, I don't know, 10 years ago? I think the biggest thing for me was just uh, keeping up with the, with the Joneses or I guess in our, uh, in our culture, be keeping up with the James. I don't know <laughs> what it would be, but the point is, it's just, you know, we are part of a Sunday school group and every week, you know, we would have to go there. And I, I thought initially these kinds of activities were great for educating our kids about the culture, but it became very competitive. Um, you know, it just became about, well, you know, what, um, how many activities is your kid in? Or, you know, what, uh, how many spelling bees did your, your uh, daughter win? And that was very toxic, not just for us, but for the kids. And I just think back to when, you know, when we were growing up and a lot of our achievement was just it, the trophies on our mantle were a proxy for our worth in our parents' eyes. Maybe that's not, maybe that's definitely not the reality, but that was the perception that we had. So, you know, if, if some other kid uh, won a tennis tournament and we, you know, got knocked out in the first round, you know, we were not worthy. And so that, I needed a lot of retraining in my mind. Um, and I think about, you know, I, I think specifically about our son because he's just such a brilliant kid. And I mean, you know, he's going to go so far and, but you know, he's, he's one of these square pegs in a round hole. And if we were trying to apply 
that conventional template of, you know, X number of trophies equals, you know, a score or whatever the, right. the worth in our eyes, it would just crush him. And, you know, my hope is that, and, and the other example would be like our daughter. She's, um, she's an artist, she's an illustrator, and she's going to uh, the top illustration school in, uh, in the country uh, this fall for college. And that was a very unconventional career path. And yes. I got to say, I mean, for me, it was, it was hard. I'm very proud of her, not just for her accomplishments, but just mm -hmm. she's a good person. At the end of the day, I mean, it's about what they're taking away and it's about how well adjusted they feel and how secure they feel because mm -hmm. we want our grandkids also uh, to have that, you know, sense of stability and self-worth. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know, to me, motherhood has changed quite a bit. I was exactly the same way. How has it changed for you? You know, I was more about keeping up with the Joneses, just mm -hmm. like everybody else. And now if my children are happy, they're healthy and they're pursuing their own dreams, not my dreams for that, mm -hmm. but their mm -hmm. own dreams, mm -hmm. then they're going to live a great life. And I feel like that's my job. Mm -hmm. And if I can do that, then yeah, I feel like I'm a good mother. You know, both of you bring up such important points and most of what we are talking about is not linear, right? So one thing doesn't lead to another. I feel like as immigrants, because I am an immigrant parent, um, you guys are second gen. So for you, it's it, it may be a bit different, but a lot of times immigrant parents are hard on, them, on themselves and on their kids, right? Yeah. Because somehow they are trying to find validation for leaving their home country, moving to a new country, right. restarting yep. their life. Um, and in a way we pass on that trauma, that you know alienation, those fears onto our kids. So I'm sure both your parents, to some extent passed on that to both of you. And Nickel, you've sure. talked about your mom, right? You've talked about how she hasn't been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but you think she may have it. And I remember one thing you said on one of your interviews was that she said something like, I never had stress growing up, right? Stress didn't uh, exist. When I, was, yeah. when I was growing up, stress didn't exist. So stress I, think it was, I think it was created in a lab in Wuhan. <laughs> you know, but, but the interesting thing is, I think it has something to do with also being in a collectivist society, right? Absolutely. So I grew up in Pakistan. Yeah. I had family, extended family, cousins, aunts, uncles. Even if you have stress, it's somehow, I think shield, you shielded from it in a way, or you are not as mindful of it. It's not part of mm -hmm. your consciousness because there is so much else going on and there is so much support. But when we come here, right. it's alienation. It's, you know, being alone. And I'm sure it's the same for both of you because as second gen kids, you don't have your immediate family close by, right? Was that the case for both of you? They're close by, they're not in the same town. I mean, it's definitely nothing like what you see in India where families, you know, yeah. they grew up in the same house and, you know, uh, your your grandparents and you see them every day. It wasn't, uh, wasn't like that for sure. Yeah. yeah. So tell me a little bit about your book. Both of you have written, uh, written a book as well. What does it contains? Can you give us some snippets of what people can expect from it? So Untethered oh. is, it's a dual voice about a South Asian family whose spouse suffered from mental illness. And when I say dual voice, I mean, it is my voice as well as Nikhil's voice. And it's very interesting because it's really never been done because 
you know, there's one incident that happens per se, and I have a certain analysis of it, right? Mm -hmm. But Nikhil's analysis could be completely opposite from what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. So it gives a very interesting perspective to the caretaker and somebody suffering from mental illness, as well as both perspectives. So that's Can you give of an example of a situation where your perspectives were completely different? Sure. So when he had filed for divorce, um, he had said to me, you know, stop dislocating. You're trying to dislocate my shoulder. You're trying to hurt me, mm -hmm. you know, and he was exhibiting paranoia. He was somewhat delusional at the time versus mm -hmm. me. I was tapping on his shoulder, trying to talk to him, trying to figure out what happened mm -hmm. to our marriage. Why did it fall apart suddenly? Mm -hmm. So that's just a prime example of his perception of what was real and true versus what mm -hmm. I saw as real and true. And so I was able to eventually, when I came to grips with what was happening, understand mm -hmm. that this illness is, it's an illness, exactly mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. you know, and it has to be separated from the individual and their personality. And I knew his heart, I knew his heart mm -hmm. and his soul was pure and he was a beautiful person inside. So I knew what he was exhibiting and showing me was an illness. Mm -hmm. when, when did you, Nikhil, I, because you initiated divorce, um, when did you decide not to pursue it? Like, was there a moment, was there some trigger when you said, you know, I'm not going to pursue it? I, I think um, the universe kind of decided that for me because, mm -hmm. you know, as, what is very common with people with bipolar disorder, uh, there comes a point where, you know, as they say, the scales kind of fell and uh, you're living in this fantasy world where, you know, you're on top of the world, everyone else is beneath you. And, you know, you can you can just do whatever. Uh, financial constraints don't matter. Um, you know, health concerns don't matter. And I reached a point where, you know, I I didn't have a job. I didn't have a place to live. You know, I, I had my friends, quote unquote, but, you know, I was completely estranged from my family. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to get too much into my you know relationship with my parents. I mean, I, I think deep down they're they're good people. But, you know, unfortunately, it's it's not a relationship that is, you know, really in, in place right now. Um, but my uh, Shelly sort of shared with me a comment that my dad made um, when she was, you know, there was no reason for her to try to help me at that point. Because mm -hmm. like I said, I had filed for divorce. You know, I was just hell bent on just walking away from this marriage. And, you know, what was interesting was uh, she told me, I guess my dad had basically intimated that this was all a plan and that, you know, I wasn't really going through any of this and that I was, you know, conning her and he actually called me a sociopath. And, you know, I, I hate to dredge up the past, but I bring that up because there comes a point, you know, when you get sort of like a, a gut punch, you know, and you, and you realize you sort of have the rug uh, pulled out from under you. And at that point, I said to myself, okay, whatever I'm doing, uh, and I thought it had been working all this time, it it ain't cutting it anymore so mm -hmm. i basically turned my my whole self over to shelly you know it's interesting when they talk about alcoholics anonymous you know they say one of the precepts of that is turning yourself over to a higher power mm -hmm. and uh you know i have the higher power sitting right here <laughs> it's just basically like i and again i mean I, i'm indescribably fortunate and blessed because mm -hmm. 
there are a lot of people who, you know, their spouses would have given up on them long ago. Um, But, and that, and and honestly, at that point, the term divorce, it wasn't even in the equation at that point. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just literally like, you know, like a person, I I think about it like a person who's shipwrecked and they're drowning at sea. They're not mm-hmm. talking about, hey, maybe I can save 10 bucks on my internet bill <laughs> at that yes. point. That, that, that was about the level of the priority. It was like, I just wanted to save my life. I wanted to get my relationship back with my kids. And at that point, Shelly, you know, it wasn't even, the, the marriage hadn't even occurred to me. But as I saw, you know, how much belief she had in me, as I saw, you know, how much uh, commitment there was mm. you know it did everything just kind of fell into place and that was you know that was when i decided to uh, you know mm. call the dogs off <laughs> the, the lawyers <laughs> the, call the call the rock pilers <laughs> off the pit bull. <laughs> yeah. tell you why did so i mean both of you have such an inspiring story but i want to get into you know your headspace and what you were thinking at the time and why did you decide to just stick it out like you know, so, despite everything that was happening around you. Oh. So I had given up on the marriage at the point when Mikhail was getting treatment. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had given up on the marriage. And my main pursuit was that this man, I want him to be a good father to my children. He can be a good father to my children. And I want to give that to my children and my family. And so I had pushed the marriage totally aside mentally. And I did not deal with the marriage until he moved back into the house. And, you know, he actually lived in the basement for a couple months Mm. because I needed to heal. I needed to process everything. I wasn't ready to jump back into this marriage when I had so much to process myself. I had so much internal healing to do myself that the marriage was really a low priority. It was more about Mm. his health. Mm. That's that's amazing now in terms of south asian community specifically i grew up in pakistan your parents are from india so it's like culturally we are pretty similar uh, <laughs> believe it or not yeah <laughs> what do you think are some of the challenges we are still facing in south asian communities when it comes to having these open and honest conversations around mental health mental illness healing um because sometimes i feel like in South Asian communities, especially among immigrants like myself, we still think of it as a Western construct. It's not something that happens to us. It's something that's been created in the West. And, you know, people who mm-hmm. have, um, you know, don't have other issues to think about, they'll just focus on this. So how do we change that narrative? I, so, I, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, the, the, um, the collective uh, concept that you talked about earlier is so important. And I don't really fault uh, immigrants for their views on mental health. And that's because, you know, for second generation uh, immigrants, the thing is we have, you know, our our peers, we have the Indian community, we have the temple, um, but there's not really that equation of that community with family. You have to remember, like when our parents came here, first of all, you know, my, our parents, Shelly and mine, they're, they're from the same community. Uh, they were both in uh, Toledo, which is a, not a very diverse town. Um, and this was in the 70s. Uh, so you got to remember, I mean, it, you know, they were pretty much, um, I mean, the term used to be called illegal aliens. And I mean, that's yeah. that was a lot of the perception of yeah. immigrants in this country was just they were other. You know what I mean? Yeah. So really, in that context, when you don't have anyone, you band together. 
Um, this is basically a proxy for your family. And so coming out and admitting any weakness, um, when it's something like mental illness, which is so misunderstood mm. and demonized, literally demonized in India, um, that takes, I mean, I would say it's beyond courage. I mean, I think it takes mm. a lot of audacity uh, to take that jump because literally mm. you're coming out and you're, you know, saying to these people who have been your lifeline that, mm. you know, hey, I'm, uh, I'm damaged goods or whatever. Obviously, I don't think that. But, mm -hmm. and I think that, you know, even in the nine, even not the nine, even in the, what are we in the twenties? God, I feel old. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> even, in this, even in this day and age with all this yeah. information coming out with all these people, you know, sharing their stories and social media, and mm -hmm. there's still so much entrenched shame and mm -hmm. fear. Um, yeah. And that's part of, um, that's part of our book. I mean, the book is called Untethered. And that's really what it comes down to is it's about breaking free of that mm -hmm. false uh, safety net, you know, mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, I mean, you're you have this sense that, you know, I have this quote unquote community and they're like my family. Um, but you're harboring a lot of this hurt and this dysfunction mm -hmm. inside. So, mm -hmm. you know, on the surface, as you alluded to earlier, I mean, if on Instagram and Facebook, you have this beautifully curated mm. collection of you know world travels and your kid winning a spelling bee um it's it's all bs right mm. and so um so that's what it is it's just a fear of you know it's it's almost like and also like when a kid's learning to swim you know a mm. fear of pulling out the paddleboard or the floaties and mm. so that's really what our book gets into it talks about untethering uh your mm. life and mm. getting rid of those uh shackles uh mm. because mm. um it's a false sense of security that mm -hmm. really in the end can really be destructive more than anything. Yeah, I, I would agree. And additionally, I think there are so many other factors, right? Okay. Especially people who identify as male, we have certain expectations. We have certain, I guess, um, idea of what, you know, cisgender male looks like or how they act. Mm -hmm. And that in itself can be problematic, right? Because then you can't show vulnerability, you can't show anxiety, weakness. Um, how did you overcome that, Nicole? I mean, it's still it's still something I'm struggling with every day. I, I would I'd be lying if I say that you know I've uh, I've become uh, the perfectly idealized version of of myself. I mean, you know, it's just something that I I remind myself. You know, I, I remind myself of of what I have. Um, I just remind myself that um, there's no there's there's no benefit in you know being that person. Obviously, I'm still very driven. I you know I'm very grateful to my parents for helping provide me with the education that allowed me to get you know a good career. I had to you know pivot a, quite a bit you know going from high stress, high power you know banking career into something that's you know it's obviously we're here to to make money, but it's more altruistic it's more um it's yeah. more about helping humanity and so that's really what it is it's just um i always you know my buzzword meter is going off but at the end of the day it's gratitude um mm. it's just about stopping to think like okay you know and, and in the initial stages of my recovery there was a lot of oh you know i was making this amazing salary before i was you know traveling all around i had all these great names on my resume mm. but i was miserable inside 
Um, so even though success looks a lot different right now, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I mean, it's just about gratitude and it's about remembering, um, it's about mm -hmm. remembering what I have. Mm -hmm. so. how, how do you focus on gratitude? Like, what is there a ritual you follow to, you know, just keep track of what you have versus what you want to have? Um, you know, obviously... And that's what I was alluding to earlier about the, you know, buzzword meter going off is that, you know, you go to Target, they've got all these gratitude journals, you've got like, you go on YouTube, there's like how to be more grateful. Um, but for me, it's just, um, it goes back a lot to the simple things and, and going back to what Deepak Chopra said about the body being a verb and not a noun. Uh, it's about mindfulness and taking that breath. Um, because this happens all the time and Shelly, you know, will agree. It's like in our business, you know, sometimes we'll get an email from somebody and it'll just, it'll just drive me nuts, but I will literally step back. I'll take a deep breath and I will say, maybe that person's going through something in their life. That's, you know, not, not great. I've been there before. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's just about, it's, it's really just about keeping, I guess, keeping my eye on, um, how far I've come and, mm -hmm. uh, and not, not succumbing to that desire to, mm -hmm. you know, judge my life based on that template that was handed down. Uh, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's a major reprogramming. And the yeah. one thing, you know, that I take away and learned in the last mm -hmm. six, seven years is, is not to be reactive to mm -hmm. what else is going on around mm -hmm. me and be more proactive. And so once I learned how to do that through meditation, through my mindfulness techniques, I was able to turn off that noise and exhibit my creativity and, and launch a company and you know work on a book and all this other things that really gave my, it was soul food to me. So I think it's so important for everybody to find their soul food. So in, in the end, if you want whoever is watching this, or um, even people who've listened to your podcast, if you want one thing, one takeaway, and I know it's hard, like there, there could be a million takeaways, right? Yeah. What would it be? Well, do you want to go first? So I think the most important thing is, you know, yes, your family is important, your children are important, your, your mm -hmm. spouse is important, right? But you have to remember you are also important. And you really need to look within yourself and what makes you happy. And I think as a South Asian mother, an entrepreneur, you know, it's, it's difficult to see that. And the only way to do that is to step back from everything that's going on around you. You know, what, what your children need, what your husband needs, and to look within yourself. What is one thing that brings you total joy? Because a lot of times, you know, yeah. these, these degenerative conditions and these diseases come up because there is not just, you know, only 5% are really attributed to a gene mutation. Mm. And the rest is all about your environment and all about mm. how you are, you know, exhibiting yourself and living your life, what you're eating, what you're feeling, what, mm. what your subconscious mind is really thinking. Mm. So I'd say that would be my biggest thing. So Shelly, what does happiness mean to you then? in this moment? Happiness is abundance to me. And I, when I say abundance, I don't mean financial abundance. I, I mean emotional abundance and internal wealth. Mm.
I love it. And what about you, Nikhil? I, I guess I, I would say uh, the takeaway really should be um, don't subscribe to any template uh, that's that's been thrust upon you. I mean, obviously, respect for your parents is very important. And, you know, that's something that we want our kids to remember is that, you know, we did we did bring them into this life. We have had many sleepless, sleepless nights, you know, financially, obviously, we've had to struggle and strive to, uh, to help them. Um, but at the end of the day, we don't want we don't personally want them to feel that we've been, you know, that we've given them this impossible uh, standard uh, to live up to. Um, so I would say that would be uh, the number one takeaway is just n not to have this one size fits all mm -hmm. about what it really means to make it. Uh, mm -hmm. As long as, you know, you can uh, sleep easy at night. I mean, as, as long as, you know, you're comfortable with what you're contributing to society, as long as you're, mm -hmm. um, you know, happy with the impact you're making, then, you know, I, in my, in my mind, uh, that's, uh, that would be making it. Um, and then I guess your second question about happiness. what does happiness mean? Uh, so obviously Shelly used the word abundance, so I can't use it. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, it's a simple term. It's just like gratitude, uh, but it's a simple term that I think is so powerful, and that is uh, awareness. Um, you know, I guess what I would say is it's like when you go to the museum and you look at a painting, um, you know, when you when you get up close, there's so many little dots and there's so many little mm -hmm. details uh, that you can really, you know, it can be overwhelming. Can you imagine, you know, your brain trying to process all those individual uh, pieces of stimulus? Um, whereas when you step back, you know, you see this beautiful tapestry. Um, you know, my art history lessons are kind of escaping me right now, but I think that's <laughs> impressionist uh, painting. I can't remember. I should know more, I guess. Um, since my daughter is uh, such an accomplished artist. But uh, the point is, it's just about really uh, seeing the forest for the trees. Uh, mm -hmm. And that means not just kind of externally, but also internally. Um, it's about understanding, you know, the processes in your body. It's about when you're stressed out, not, you know, uh, getting into that fight or flight response that's, you know, mm -hmm. so easy to, to, to jump into and sort of, uh, quieting that reptilian brain, mm. uh, you mm. know, the primitive uh, fight or flight response. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think for me, that's that's really what what happiness means is um, looking at what you have, looking at, uh, you know, who you are and, um, you know, just really taking stock of what, you know, what God has given you, regardless of your religion. I mean, what God, what the mm. universe has provided for mm. you and really embracing the present uh you know not not dredging up the past not getting depressed by your previous mistakes mm -hmm. or not not conjuring up some you know doomsday scenario that might happen in the future um mm -hmm. so really just i mean the bottom line <laughs> is the, the present is a gift yeah um and so that's you know cheesiness aside my, my apologies but that's really kind of my uh key takeaways mm -hmm. so I love it. Thank you so much, both of you. And we did it finally with all the glitches and all the like, conspiracy that Khan had against us. We were able to do this. I'm so glad. Is there a website people can go and find more information about your work, your book, your upcoming Hollywood project, um, your company? Where can they go? So, uh, yeah, go ahead. 
Oh, so yeah, there's a couple. So the first I'd say uh, to learn about both of us would be uh, ShellySood.com. That's S-H-E-L-L-Y-S-O-O-D.com. Uh, then our podcast is, uh, it's on all the platforms, but I'd say the one that we tend to direct people to is uh, theshellystory.com. So it's just the Shelly, that's, you know, story.com. And then our business is uh, geostarchicago.com. So that's, yeah, go ahead. G-I-O-S-T-A-R, chicago.com. Yep. Wonderful. Have a great rest of the day, guys. This was so much fun. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.